have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 11, and we're going to pick up our study in verse 20 and take it through 29. Again, we're looking at this uh, position in Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of faith. And this morning, it's part three. We have been looking at the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter, uh, the sphere of, of faith. And so we see these uh, patriarchs, and we see uh, these men and women of the Old Testament that had such faith. We've already looked at Abel. We looked at Enoch. We looked at Noah. And then last week, we studied the faith of Abraham and Sarah. And so an opportunity for the women also to see that God used women as he still does today. And we see that Abraham uh, had lapses of faith also. When he goes to Egypt and uh, he's afraid, he's concerned about the Pharaoh. And he tells, uh, he tells Sarah, tell them that you're my sister. Uh, so they wouldn't, you know, come in and try to take him to prison or jail. And, and so we see a lapse of faith. And yet uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the, the more verses are given uh, to Abraham. And then I thought about Sarah. We mentioned last week how she laughed. When the angel of the Lord said to Abraham, this time next year, Sarah will be with child. Remember, we shared last week, she was well past her 90s. He was old. And yet, God promised the seed that it would come through uh, Abraham and Sarah, uh, not Hagar. And that's where Ishmael comes into the picture. But I like that position that Sarah laughed. And I just wonder... Ladies, what would you have done? The Lord comes to you in a vision, a dream, and he says, this time next year, you're going to be with child? I mean, you probably would have laughed too. And then God's humor. Isaac in the Hebrew means laughter. And so every time she saw that little guy, she sought of the Lord and the humor of God. Named him laughter. And she was a hero of faith. And so this morning, we want to continue this position, this place of, of heroes of faith. And there's a challenge for us this morning. As we read, as we glean from Hebrews chapter 11, I pray and I hope that it stirs up your faith. And this morning, as we challenge those that came to the first service, if you've not come to saving grace, the Bible says that today is the day of your salvation. You see, your religion can't save you. <laughs> your denomination or non-denomination can't save you. Having your name in a ledger at a church say you belong to that church, that can't save you. Some have been water baptized and, and thinking, that's my salvation. But the Bible says that you need to come by faith to saving grace. And so we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest the man or a woman should boast. And so we must take that initiative. We come to the fork in the road, and we must make that choice. I can choose to reject God and take the, the wrong road, basically, or I can choose to accept God and take the right road. And these heroes of faith, they first had to come uh, to saving grace. In the Old Testament, they believed God by faith. In the New Testament, we come to, to God by faith, the same thing. But we are saved by grace through faith. And we believe in Christ Jesus, that he died to give us life, life eternal. We begin here by faith, Isaac. And we don't read much about Isaac. In fact, scholars say that he really wasn't spiritually in tune. But yet God placed him in Hebrews chapter 11. He is part of the faith factor. And so let's begin here. Uh, by faith, Isaac, he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. You know that Isaac had to receive instructions from his dad. As Abraham taught him, as Abraham would take him uh, up to the mountain and, and he would partake of the sacrifices. He saw the faith of his father and it moved upon his heart. And so when the time came in his age, he steps out by faith, and he anoints 
his two children. But again, we don't read of a, a great spiritual man that he was. But he still held on to faith. And again, I, I want to remind you, Jesus spoke about childlike faith. Jesus spoke about having a measure of faith. And then I like this. Jesus said, have faith like a mustard seed. And so a lot of times we, we want the faith that we see of these patriarchs in the Old Testament, and, and rightfully so. But Jesus said, just have that measure of faith. It just takes that step of faith. You're here this morning because somebody was faithful uh, to pray for you and to invite you. If you're a Christian, somebody prayed for your salvation. And the time came when you were challenged and you came to that fork in the road and you stepped out by faith. And now as you've been a Christian, some of us for a long time, look at the steps of faith. And so we glean again and we learn from these heroes of faith. And so... Isaac, later on his name would be changed to Israel. At this point, or excuse me, Isaac is the son of laughter. And he has two children, and one is named Jacob. The other one is named Esau. Now, Jacob, his name later is changed to Israel, governed by God. Now, Esau, he's interesting. When you read about Esau, he was a hairy man. And so they named him Esau, and it means Harry. But by faith, Isaac blesses his children. I want you to study that when you get home. In Genesis chapter 27, verses 26 through 40, the blessing. Now, the, the blessing is very important here when it speaks about Jacob. Because through Jacob, speaking of the future, the 12 tribes would come forth. Now, Abraham was given the promise by faith in God in full confidence that he, God, would accomplish all that was prophesied for his family. And so the act of faith here was simply to believe that all God says is true. And so now Isaac follows through. Now there were no human uh, probabilities, that is, at this time when the prophecies were given. All that Isaac rested on was his belief, his faith, his trust that God revealed to him through his father, Abraham, stepping out by faith. A blessing was pronounced on each of his sons. But here we see uh, Jacob and Esau receiving this blessing. Though both different in nature, yet Isaac had no doubt that both would be fulfilled in his sons, Jacob and Esau. Interesting characters. But I want you to see this this morning, moms, dads especially. As Abraham had faith, and he had faith that his son Isaac would follow suit. And now Isaac steps out by faith. Here's a challenge for us this morning. As parents, do we have faith? If your husband's not saved or your wife's not saved, do we have faith that God's going to touch them one day? Do we pray, Lord, touch them, bring them to the kingdom of God by faith? What about our children? When Mary and I first came to Saving Grace uh, 30 years ago, uh, my whole concept was, Lord, what about my kids? They were young at the time. And now I look back and I see our kids are grown and they're serving the Lord. What about our siblings? I had brothers, I have sisters, and, you know, Lord, touch them. What are you praying for this morning? As Isaac stepped out by faith, and now he, you know, anoints and he blesses his children. Be challenged. Don't give up. I know there are some that, you know, the spouse is not saved. It's a hardship. It happens to the men or the women. We have a beautiful man that comes to our church every first service. His wife is not saved. He prays for her constantly. At the same time, we have ladies that come, and the husband's not saved. And so the place of prayer, and listen, believing God by faith. And so this is where Isaac was, and he learned it by watching his father, Abraham. But now let's go to verse 21. Here's the offspring. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, and he worshiped. He was leaning on the top of his staff. 
Now, this portion that he was leaning on the top of his staff, uh, Jacob's already up in age. They said he was kind of uh, dim at seeing. He couldn't see completely. But I don't think he's leaning on a staff, a, a walking staff, or a staff that you would move the sheep or the goats around. But many scholars believe that the rendition here of the Hebrew and the Greek was the bedpost that was at the end of his bed. And because of his age, he's kind of leaning on it. And so the beauty here, leaning on the top of his staff, he's going to bless the sons of Joseph. Now, Jacob had 12 sons. And yes, he blessed them. But the blessing went on his last son, his kids. And that was Ephraim and Manasseh. I want you to study that when you get home. Genesis chapter 48. But let's just kind of break down Jacob's life as far as his children. Jacob was married first to Leah. And Leah had uh, four sons uh, through Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Now remember Judah. Through Judah comes the line of King David. And through Judah comes the Messiah. Bilhah was a handmaid, and Jacob went in unto her, and two sons came forth, Daniel and Naphtali. The next woman is Zelpha. She was another handmaid, and Jacob had two sons, Gad and Asher. And now Leah comes back into the picture, and she has two more sons with Jacob, Ishkar and Zebulun. And then finally, the love of Jacob, her name is Rachel. And she finally has two children. Now, remember how much he loved Rachel. He was supposed to have married Rachel. But because of the culture at the time, he was tricked. And he went into Leah. And she became his wife. But he still wanted uh, Rachel. He had to work for Rachel. Listen, guys. He had to work for her. To Laban for the next seven years. I mean, such love and compassion but Rachel and Jacob had two children Benjamin and Joseph now these are the 12 sons and from these come the 12 tribes of Israel but King David his line and the Messiah's line came through Judah God honored Leah and Jacob Jacob claimed Joseph's two sons as his own, Benjamin and Joseph. But when it came time for the blessing, Jacob in his old age and partially blind crossed his hands and placed the blessing on Ephraim and not on Manasseh. Thus the greater blessing, the scripture says, was on the tribe of Ephraim. You know, I looked at that years ago and then as I was going over the study, uh, Judah is the blessed tribe Judah uh, comes the line of King David, and through Judah comes the line of the Messiah. But yet, the anointing fell on Ephraim. Now, Ephraim, if you study the life of Joshua, this is the tribe that he came from. And so the blessing upon Ephraim, and then the blessing upon uh, Joshua, that through him, the promised land would be accomplished. Remember that first generation did not enter the promised land. In fact, Moses was not allowed into the promised land because he misrepresented God. Remember when the Lord told, told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. The people wanted water. And in his anger, he took his staff and he beat the rock. Now, God's grace, the water still came forth. But Moses misrepresents God. And I struggled with that years ago when I studied, you know, getting involved in leadership. Lord, he made one mistake. Yes, it was a big mistake, but Lord, where's your hand of grace? In the times of the Old Testament, God had to bring forth chastening. And he did. The Bible says that God took Moses up to Mount Nebo and he got to see the promised land, but he did not partake of it. In fact, that first generation that murmured and complained throughout the 40 years in the wilderness, they did not enter the promised land. But only Joshua and Caleb and their family, the next generation. Now, Moses obviously is in heaven. But if you're any part of leadership, you always struggle with that. Lord, it's not fair. 
Why was uh, Moses chastened? Yes, he hit the rock, but he misrepresented God. That was the key. And so here we have now the 12 tribes. And the blessing is upon Ephraim. Now let's continue. Look at verse 22. By faith, Joseph now, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. And he gave instructions concerning his bones. Joseph did not want his bones to remain in Egypt. He wanted them to be taken with them when they would go to the promised land. Now, think about the faith of Joseph. He was sold off uh, to Egyptian slavery by his brothers. They were, you know, jealous of him. He had the coat of many colors. It broke Jacob's heart. He thought Joseph died. They lied to him. But yet God used this. Joseph goes to Egypt, eventually becomes second to Pharaoh. And he brings in the granary. He had that dream, remember? Uh, Seven years of famine and then seven years of blessing. And they built up the granary. And I mean, he made Egypt rich. And then when his brothers came, he knew them. And he blessed them. And eventually the whole scenario, he exposed himself. He says, I'm your brother. And imagine Joseph finally getting to see his father, Jacob. And then Jacob thinking, you know, my dad, my son, that is, he's perished. But now he sees him. You see, again, God has a plan because we know that Jacob and 70 of Israel went into Egypt. 430 years later, the Bible says that 2 million plus left in the great exodus. But while he was dying, he gave this command, take my bones out of here. I want to give you a little short story. Back when I was in grade school, St. Joseph's Parochial School back in in Southern California, we were in about the sixth grade. And the Ten Commandments came out. Powerful movie. It's still a powerful movie today. I still love it around the time of Easter. I mean, who doesn't like Charlton Heston? I I think it's Moses every time I see it, right? And if you watch the movie, when the Exodus takes place, and I saw the movie so many times as a kid, and then a young teen, then a young adult, and then in my adulthood, but it wasn't until I came to Saving Grace. There's two frames. As the children of Israel are exiting, you see somebody carrying off a mummified body. That was Joseph. I love that Cecil B. DeMille put that into the movie. Now, when you see the movie next time, you will notice it. Hey, that's Joseph. He said, don't leave my bones in Egypt. That's how bad he wanted to go to the promised land. And so God has a plan for each one of us. But what kind of faith do we have? Here's Joseph. Here's Jacob. We've been speaking about this faith. Here it is again, the challenge for us. I mean, they didn't have to obey Joseph. What about us this morning? Where's our faith? Again, do we have that faith that if my wife's not safe or the husband's not safe, do I have that faith that God's going to touch their lives? What about your children? Sometimes we come to saving grace late in age, and then not all of our kids are saved. And then it's a hardship you're trying to share with them, and they don't want to hear it. But don't give up. Have faith as these patriarchs had faith. They had such faith that God was going to do what he promised. They didn't know the the promises of God, but they believed God by faith. As he moved, that's why they're called heroes of faith. Now we get into the main subject this morning, and it is the faith of Moses. But I want you to see this. What about the faith of his parents? What about the faith of his parents? Because uh, a law is prescribed you see the hebrew women were bringing in kids too much for the pharaoh god blessed their wombs i mean they were bringing forth children and so the pharaoh gives a law that they were to kill 
all the male children that were being born uh, to the Hebrew women. And they were to cast them into the Nile. Here's where the faith of Moses' parents comes in. Now, naturally, as parents, we're going to try to protect our children. But they gave a law. And they could have lost their own lives. They hid Moses for three months. And then finally they put him in a basket. We know the story. He goes down the Nile. And then Pharaoh's daughter takes him in. The name Moses in the Hebrew means drawn out. And he was drawn out of the Nile. But it took the faith of his mom and dad. Now, let's begin here. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was beautiful, a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. The parents of Moses, you can find them in Exodus chapter 6. Uh, his dad was Amram and his mom was Jacobine. By faith, they hid Moses for three months because a law was given. Go back and study that in Exodus chapter 1. To kill all the male sons uh, born to the Israeli women. They were to cast the little boys into the Nile. His parents, now pick up on this, disobeyed the law of the land. As Christians, we're always to obey the laws of the land. Unless it causes man to disobey when it comes to the laws of God. You see, there's a scenario in Acts chapter 5, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish consul, uh, told Peter and the other apostles to stop preaching and teaching their doctrine. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter says we ought to obey God rather than man. Now, I share this with you this morning because if things continue to happen in our United States of America, uh, the ACLU, if they can have their way, the time will come that we're going to be challenged as Christians, but especially as pastors and as a church, the body of Christ. I mean, you can get in trouble right now when you come against homosexuality and lesbianism. It's going to get worse. And we're going to have to make a decision, just like Moses' parents. We're going to have to make a decision, just like Peter and the apostles. It is better to obey God than to obey man. I believe that time's coming uh, in our own country. But let's get back to Moses now. In the King James, it says that he was a proper child. And the Greek is telling us he, he was a comely child, or he was a, a fair-to-look-at child. His parents' faith in saving him must have been a divine intervention. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to their hearts. And... <laughs> Moses was considered in the Hebrew to have an exceedingly fair uh, appearance as a child. He was designed, listen, for a good work. But how did they know this? I believe the Holy Spirit convinced the parents. Now, we're going to try everything in our power, you know, to save our child, whatever the situation is. But if your life depended on it, what are you going to do? Now, they said that Moses was beautiful. I don't know a parent that's going to say, well, my kid's ugly. No way. But you know when a kid is born, we've had four daughters, and when they come out, you love them. But, man, they're all squished up. I thank God that they clean them up before they bring them to you. But I was thinking of our, our oldest daughter. She had, a set of, she had a twins, a boy and a girl. And when poor Solomon, when he came out, his sister had squished him inside. And his head was kind of pointed. I never forgot that. And I go, Lord, it's not going to stay that way. And trust me, it didn't. It all comes back, right? But every now and then, uh, his dad will tease him. Hey, pointed head, come here. And I go, hey, don't be telling him that. But dads, you know how you are sometimes. But they saw Moses, a child of beauty. And yet God had a reason and a purpose uh, listen to these verses. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 2, Moses writes, The woman conceived the son, saw his beauty, and hid him for three months. In Acts chapter 7, verse 20, Stephen standing before the Sanhedrin, Moses' birth, God was well pleased in his beauty and hid Moses. Now in the Old Testament, 
The Holy Spirit was not poured out as we see the Holy Spirit today. Since the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is readily available to those that ask. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was selective. And he appeared to certain people and in certain places and certain times. But now the Holy Spirit has been poured out. All we have to do is ask. But God moved upon Moses' parents. And then we're going to see how God moved upon Moses. Church, it takes faith. Whatever you're going through, it takes faith. Steps of faith. Believing God, trusting God by faith. And again, Jesus said, just have a measure of faith. Sometimes we look at, at, you know, the heroes of faith here in Hebrews chapter 11. Rightfully so. Man, I want the faith of Moses' parents. Praise God. Pray that. But we also must desire just that measure of faith. Lord, that I might believe. I might trust you. And I tell you, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In Romans 10, 17, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you come to church, the more you read the Bible, the more you do your uh, devotionals every day, the more you see God. Every time you read the word of God, every time you partake of a sermon or of a teaching, you're listening to the radio, watching the television, and a sermon comes forth, a teaching comes forth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we look at these heroes of faith and it moves upon our hearts. And so now, we spoke of Moses' parents. Look at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses' life is very complex. To say the least, but yet God used this man. We know that the scriptures teach us that God used the patriarchs. That's what we're reading in Hebrews chapter 11. God used them in a mighty way. Uh, even Isaac, when we don't see a, a lot of spirituality, and yet God still used him, and he's included in the hall of faith. But Moses' life, his parents hit him, eventually put him in the basket. He went down the Nile, Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses, listen, he spends 40 years in Egypt. You study Moses when you take leadership training classes. Moses is a beautiful example of somebody in the ministry. Moses spends 40 years in Egypt. Egypt is always a type of the world. He went to the best schools. He, he, he was trained in the best military. Moses had position. But then Moses kills an Egyptian. God's plan. And then Moses has to flee. And he goes to Midian. And he spends 40 years in the desert. And he takes care of sheep. And so now at the age of 80, God tells Moses, go back to Egypt. Take your brother Aaron and tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses now, a broken man, is ready to be used by God. And so a beautiful picture. Let's begin here. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of uh, a Pharaoh's daughter. And so, he wants separation now. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. He doesn't know exactly how it's going to take place. But by faith, he has to step out. God uses this to speak to him clearly. Now, let's, let's get the whole picture of it. I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 25 now. God's going to use him. Uh, verse 24 flows right in. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy uh, the passing pleasures of sin. You see, Moses was a sinner just like us. The pleasures of sin. Listen, we like sin. If we didn't like sin, if sins were not pleasurable, we wouldn't do them. And I want you to think of our sin nature, whatever it was. There was a time when drinking was all about my life. 
There was a time of selling drugs was all about my life. And, and so I had a sin nature, just as you have a sin nature. And thank God that he brings us from that sin nature. And we have to choose uh, to flee from Egypt. Egypt always represents the world. Or to flee Babylon. Babylon always represents the world. Now, last week, we spoke about Abraham and, and Sarah. They left Haran, another type of the world. And so God draws us from that place. And so the Holy Spirit moves upon uh, Moses. He chose rather to suffer. He had it made there in Egypt, but he takes off and he goes to Midian. And now he, God sends him back. Look at Exodus chapter 2. Look at verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren. How did he know that the Israelites were his brethren? Unless the Holy Spirit taught him. And he looked at their burdens. He saw their plight. He saw their suffering. The taskmasters. And he saw an Egyptian uh, beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. He saw the mistreatment of one of his Hebrew brothers. How did Moses know uh, to, you know, interfere here? To intervene here? But the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. And again, that portion of faith. I'm thinking about his parents. You don't think his mother especially, Jochebe, that she prayed for her son through the years? You know, I stand here this morning and the testimony of why I came to Saving Grace, you go back to my mom. My mom was a woman of prayer. She prayed for me, she prayed for my brother, and she prayed for my sisters. And eventually we all came to Saving Grace. And moms, don't give up on your children. Fight for them. Fight for them through prayer. Because the enemy wants to take them home. We see it over and over and over. And so now, he sees these, this Hebrew being beaten. Look at verse 12. So he looked this way, and he looked that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand. Now, Moses was militarily trained in the Egyptian army. I mean, no doubt that he was well-trained. But I like that he looks one way to the other. He wants to make sure nobody sees him. But then he commits a crime. And he kills this man. In verse 13 it goes on. And when he went out the second day. Behold two Hebrew men were fighting amongst each other. And he said to the one who did the wrong. Why are you striking your companion? Now Moses thought that nobody had seen him. The day before. Watch this now. In verse 14, then he said, this is the one that was, you know, caught beating the other uh, Hebrew. And then he said, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? I could just sense Moses' heart right there that it sunk. I thought nobody knew. I thought I got away with it. Remember, he looked this way and he looked that way. And he thinks nobody's going to know. We do the same thing. Sometimes men, we think the wife doesn't know. Sometimes we think the children don't know. But I want you to study this when you get home. In Psalm 139, it is called the all-seeing eye of God. Now, since coming to Saving Grace 30 years ago, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is very heavy on my heart. Especially now that I've, I've been in ministry for about 27 years. And I'll tell you what, when I do something wrong, the Holy Spirit is quick to convict me. I'm going to let some of you in on this beautiful story. It happened to me. Oh, about five, six, seven, eight years ago. I'm not sure. I can tell you the full account now because my wife's in Southern California right now. But my wife's looking at me. And she says, did you throw the trash? I can see the trash. And Bob says, yes, I threw the trash. And she goes, okay. Well, as soon as she turned around, went the other way, I got out of my chair, went and threw the trash. And she goes, what are you doing? You didn't throw the trash. Oh, no, this is another trash. You see, we're good at that. Remember, we like to sweep things under the carpet. Well, Psalm 139 is the all-seeing eye of God. Moses thought 
that he got away with it. But God saw and God caused these Hebrews to see. Are you going to kill me as you killed the other guy yesterday? You see, all of these that have happened to Moses are steps of faith now. He has to flee. And he goes to Midian now for the next 40 years. He tends sheep. He, he finds Zipporah there, his wife. They have a couple of kids. And then when he's ready, listen. When he's ready and God sees that he's a broken man, sends him back to Egypt. And so I want you to be aware of the power of prayer. And it takes strong faith to pray. And Lord, whatever it takes uh, to get a hold of my son, my daughter, whatever it takes to get a hold of the husband or the wife, Lord, break them. You know, moms, when they come in and they said, pray for my son, he's on drugs. Pray for my daughter, she's on drugs. Pray for, you know, whatever the situation. And I, I ask them, how have you been praying for them? What do you mean? Well, I want them to get saved, and I want them to come to church. Well, have you ever said, Lord, save them, but use them for your glory? And, Lord, if it takes that you have to break them, Lord, break them. You see, it's a hard concept, but I'd rather see you with a broken leg or a broken arm, and yet you will still come in to the kingdom of God. And so we have to have prayers of faith. Prayers of faith. Now, Moses spends that time in Midian. He was not the great Moses building Ramses and, and other cities. He's not the great military mind at this time. He's just taking care of sheep out there. And notice verse 26 now. By faith now again, Moses esteeming the reproach of Christ. How did he know about Messiah? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, which is Messiah, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. He looked beyond. He looked further into his inheritance. See, this is not our inheritance. We come to saving grace, but our inheritance is in heaven. One day to be glory bound. Look at the word esteeming the reproaches. Uh, the word esteeming here, he considered. That's what the Greek is saying. He considered his suffering now. He's going to lose everything. And he has to go to Midian. And for the next 40 years, as I shared, 40 years in Egypt, he became somebody. Now 40 years uh, in Midian, he's nobody. They don't even know about, they don't remember Moses. And so he considered his options. What he considered, it was far better to suffer for the sake of Christos. That's the Greek word here, which is the word Messiah. Than to have the treasures of Egypt. Why? By faith, Moses was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him one day. Inheritance. Eternal life. Now, he didn't go into the promised land. He was shown the promised land, the from Mount Ebo, Nebo that is, and now he's in the heavenly places. That was his final reward. Moses was looking ahead to the great reward that God would give him, inheritance, eternal life with God. Moses came to the same crossroads we will all come to in the day of our salvation. We can choose God or we can choose to stay in Egypt. We come to that fork of the road. And you see, the appetites of the world, they're very strong. The treasures of the world are very strong. The financial gain of the world are very strong. Let me give you a series of verses here. I want you to write them down. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, these are the words of Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. In Matthew 6, verse 24, listen to the words of Jesus. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon, 
speaks of wealth. The word mammon speaks of riches. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. I mean, it's obvious. You need a salary. I need a salary. I mean, God sustains us. But be careful when the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not evil, but the love of money. And we can see that in our society today. We can see all the people that have done so many errors in order to gain financially and not caring about who they destroy along the way. I mean, some people have been built of all their money. And it's the love of money. And so Jesus says, there has to be this separation. Moses made that separation. Here's the last verse. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Jesus says, what profit is it to a man or to a woman if he or she gains the whole world but loses his or her own soul? Or what will a man or a woman give in exchange for his soul? Some of us have been around long enough. Uh, look at what some of the Hollywood scene, what they've given for mammon, the power of mammon. I mean, it's still fresh in our mind. Michael Jackson, I mean, he's dead. I mean, who else is going to die? We see it constantly. And it's not about the fame and the fortune. But our inheritance, and this is what Moses was looking at. He was looking beyond. He was looking at the day that he would enter the pearly gates. The day that it would be with his own Messiah. He uses the word Christos. The anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. How did he know that? As the Holy Spirit spoke to them. As his mom, Jochebi, she never stopped praying for him. Oh, again, mom's the power of prayer. Now, let's continue. Look at verse 27. Moses now. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He abandoned Egypt. He left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him. Notice that it's capitalized. Who is invisible. He's speaking about God. By faith, Moses forsook. He left Egypt behind. He abandoned Egypt. Moses did not fear the Pharaoh, but by faith he endured. He was made strong. Moses' faith gave him strength. Can we say that? As I study the scriptures... As I lean upon the faith that God's given, he strengthens you. My faith in God strengthens me. Your faith in God strengthens you. Moses says, because I see him. He's speaking about God. He's speaking about God Almighty. I see him who is invisible. By faith, Moses saw the living God. I was thinking about Moses I think it's Exodus chapter 3 when he first encounters God at the burning bush. Moses, where you stand as holy ground, take off your shoes. What did Moses go through when he saw that burning bush? When he stood before the presence of God, Almighty God. Here he trusted in the invisible God. And how important it is for us to lean upon God to lean upon his word. Hmm. Now, not one of us here have seen the invisible God, but we believe in God by faith. I want you to write this down. In John chapter 4, verse 24, John writes and he says, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What a beautiful time that we come in on Sunday mornings and we partake of worship. Beautiful times we come in and we're partaking of the word. We've partaken of prayer. And we're encouraged this morning, you know, steps of faith. Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yesterday we had our men's fellowship breakfast and it was just a blessing. We're learning about, you know, wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And then I was looking at wisdom and how important that we mix wisdom with faith. And how we mix faith with having a vision. God, what is it you want? God, show me. 
It takes faith to believe. Pastor Chuck in his commentary uh, says this, men of faith such as here in Hebrews chapter 11 always see more than those who rely on their own natural intellect. Well, I know what the Bible says about God. You know, I've read uh, through the five books of Moses. I've read through the uh, New Testament. That's great. But have you drawn from the faith that comes by hearing the word of God? Do we have this wisdom that only comes from God? Do we have faith that can move a mountain? And do we have faith that God's given to us? Do we have faith now that is added to our lives having a vision? I want you to listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need to have wisdom. We need to have faith. And we need to have vision. Moses' parents, they were visionaries. I believe the Holy Spirit had spoke to them, and they stepped out by faith. And God honored that step of faith. They never found Moses. I'm sure it was not easy to hide him for three months. And then finally they saw that it was getting too close. They put him in a basket. Listen, by faith. And then Pharaoh's daughter draws him out of the water. I'll call him Moses. And then look what the plan that God had. Now, we're going to finish this off. Look at verse 28. By faith now Moses... He kept the Passover. This is now at the end of the 40 years uh, that, uh, you know, let my people go. They've gone through the wilderness. And they're getting ready. They're getting ready for the wilderness, excuse me. And they're leaving Egypt. And he celebrates the Passover. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest uh, he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover, to sprinkle the blood, listen, on the doorposts, that death would not kill the firstborn son, but they would pass through. We know that when they celebrated that first Passover, God gave instructions, take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorposts. And when death came that night, now in the movie, The Ten Commandments, we see this green fog that comes in. Again, that's Hollywood. And be careful when somebody says, then God sent the death angel. Nowhere in scripture does it say that he sends a death angel. But the death came to the firstborn. But those that the blood that was dipped into the lamb, you know, and put it on the doorpost, when death came, it passed over. You see, if we've come to saving grace by faith, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when the time of death comes for us, death is just going to pass over. Oh, we'll die physically. But because the blood of the Lamb is upon us, we will go home to be with the Lord. What a blessing. What a promise. Now, not only by faith did he establish that first Passover, but notice verse 29, by faith now, Moses and the two million plus, that's what they estimate. It says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, I like this, attempting to do so the same, basically, they drowned. But I want you to see the faith of the people. The faith of the Hebrew people. I mean, they waited for 430 years. They were under bondage. And they want to be set free. And now the ten plagues have already come. And now it's time to leave. And they just partaken of the Passover. We know that there's a pillar of fire that's leading them by night and a cloud by day. But the pillar of fire kept back the Egyptian army. And they crossed the Red Sea. Two million plus. I would have loved to see that Red Sea just open up. And they crossed over. With their families, their herds? Did they have carts? I mean, they crossed over. Dry land. That's the hand of God. Now, the Egyptian army, they all drowned. They tried to copy. Now, the critics come in, and the critics say, listen, there's a certain time of the year, a certain time of the season, and the Red Sea, you know, decreases 
and it goes down to about one foot, two foot of water. And, and I love those critics because look at the miracle. Here's the greatest army at this time, the Egyptian army. You don't think they knew how to swim? And all of them drowned in one to two feet of water? That's a miracle. But God's hand of grace. But you see, Moses was sent as a type of Christ, a type of deliverer, even as they, you know, slaughtered the lamb, took the blood, put it on the doorpost. When death came, it passed over the firstborn of Israel. The Egyptians died, the firstborn. These are the judgments. Now, let me just give you a little bit of homework. I want you to study this evening, this afternoon, Exodus chapter 7 uh, through Exodus chapter 11. We see that by faith, God sends now Moses back uh, to Egypt. And by faith, Moses says, let my people go. And we know the story. Pharaoh refused. And the plagues started to come. There was a total of 10. The first plague, water, and the Nile, they turned to blood. It stank, and then the fish died. Secondly, frogs. Third, lice. Fourth, there were flies. Number five was livestock disease. Number six, boils on men and beast. Number seven, hail mixed with fire. Men and beast died. Number eight, locusts. Number nine, this one is amazing. Darkness for three days. And it says in scripture, so thick they felt it. They couldn't even see the hand in front of them. And then number 10, the firstborn of Egypt dies. I want you to see this. The 10 plagues came. The children of Israel were camped outside of Egypt. It was a place called Goshen. It was about 20 miles outside of Egypt. And these same judgments came, but they never affected the children of Israel. God's hand of grace. And they stepped out by faith, trusting God, trusting God. Sometimes it's not an easy place to trust God. We have a gentleman that came to church this morning for a service. Daniel, he's a beautiful brother in the Lord. And when I see Daniel, him and his wife at church, I know he's having a good day. He has cancer. And he's taking chemotherapy. And his hair is already gone. But he fits right in because everybody has the bald look today, you know. But Daniel, let me tell you something about Daniel. He has the joy of the Lord. I see this man's joy. He serves God with all his heart. But he admits and he knows that this great trial, he knows that his life could be taken, but he knows he's going to go home to be with the Lord. Now, naturally, he wants to be here, you know, with his wife. He wants to be here with his children and his grandchildren. But he has cancer. And he's taken all the steps by faith. That man's faith is ministering to me he asked for prayer and I said Daniel you pray for me he has faith is that what it takes sometimes it does you know it's not till I'm challenged beyond my means it's not till I find myself in the infirmary or I find myself in the ICU unit that I finally say Lord I must trust you and sometimes God brings us to that place and so Moses was brought to that place of faith. Isaac, Jacob, Abraham. We saw Abel. We saw Enoch. We saw, you know, all these heroes of faith. Again, ladies, what about Sarah? Faith. And a lot of times we're challenged that we have to be quiet at this time. Whatever I'm going through, and you've got to trust God. I want you to listen to these last two verses. We're going to conclude here. In Psalm 46, verse 10, the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. We must trust Him by faith. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, how many times I want to help God. How many times I, you know, I'm running this way and running that way. Be still. And know that I'm God. Whatever the trial, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, 
Be still and know that I'm God. Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. Even if you take me home through this cancer or whatever it might be, even if you take me home, I'm going to trust you. It's not an easy task. Go back and study this passage of Scripture. In the book of Job, chapter 13, I believe it's verse 15. Now, if it's not what I'm saying, uh, reverse it because I have dyslexia. But Job says this, even though he slays me, I will trust in him. You know, Job, he lost everything. Even though he slays me, I will trust in him. His wife told him, Job, look at you. You're a mess. Trust the God that you serve. In fact, she said, curse the God you serve. And remember the words of Job? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, that's a man that went through a lot of trials. I'm going to give you this last homework assignment. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let me set it up for you. In, in the Chronicles here, the Moabites, well, let, let me take it from the beginning. The people of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people of Mount Seir, they come to war against Judah. At this time, King Jehoshaphat goes before the Lord. He's the king of Judah. He goes before the Lord at the house of the Lord. But he asked the people, pray. We're outnumbered. We can't defeat this army. We need God's strength. We need faith in God. The Bible says they prayed and they fasted. And then Jehoshaphat went to the temple. And as he prayed, listen to what God responded to him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15, he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. These are the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Oh, how many times in my Christian walk, how many times in my pastoral position, I hear that small, still voice, Bob, the battle's not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Stand still and know that I am God. You see, church, that takes faith. Faith, a measure of or a mustard seed or a childlike faith. And faith is what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. And so we saw the faith of Moses. We saw the faith of his parents. We learned from our patriarchs. We learned from the Old Testament saints, and we gleaned from them. And even Isaac, Lord, he wasn't a spiritual man. But give me that faith, Lord. That faith that I could move a mountain. That faith that I could believe and trust in you. Listen, by faith, you came to saving grace. By faith, somebody prayed for you. Now. It's our turn. It's our time. Have the faith to pray for your loved ones. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share your word, your precious word. Isaiah said your word will never come back void. Lord, thank you for the promises of faith, these heroes of faith, these sinners of faith, because they were all sinners and they came to saving grace, these patriarchs in Hebrews chapter 11. Father, that we would believe and trust in you by faith. And maybe this morning there's somebody here. I don't know. I always like to give the opportunity. With every eye closed, every head bowed, maybe you're here this morning and you have not stepped out by faith to salvation. I can't save you. Calvary Chapel can't save you. Your church can't save you. Your water baptism can't save you. You must come to saving grace by faith. It's a simple step of faith. And so with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to give that opportunity. I always like to do it because you never know. There might be one. If that's you this morning, you need to come to Saving Grace. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. You'd like to receive Christ. Would you please raise your hand? I'll say a prayer right there where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come up, but right there in the comfort of your own seat, you'd like to come to Saving Grace. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Raise your hand real quick anybody praise God that if we're all Christian 
Let's give God all the glory. Father, I thank you. Lord, that uh, maybe everybody's saved this morning. Praise God. But it never hurts to ask. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that measure of faith, that mustard seed faith, that faith of a child, that faith to believe and to trust in you because you are the God that gives faithfully. All we have to do is ask. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, bless your people here this morning. Lord, meet all of our needs, whatever they might be. Father, we pray for the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. Bless the offerings. Bless your beautiful people now. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.